Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Talk some NFL, and uh, we're going to talk with Steve Palazzolo, Senior Analyst for Pro Football Focus, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. So, Steve, I get wind today that pretty much what we were starting to think was that uh, the NFL is most likely going to start the season without fans in the stands. It seems to be becoming more and more of a reality, at least here in these parts. So give me your thoughts first and foremost when you hear that, and then you hear about uh, the 35% of the, the players' salaries possibly being put into escrow. At least that's what the owners are asking for. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think with the fans, it's it's such an emotional game, obviously. And, and the, you know, home field advantage is essentially predicated on crowd noise and uh, the offense not being able to make uh, changes at the line of scrimmage. So, so the game will change a little bit. I think we'll try to we'll we'll have to sort through what home field advantage actually entails at this point when you don't have uh, crowd noise and the you know defensive line getting that little bit of an edge, getting off the line of scrimmage and things like that. Um, and, you know, there's certain players and positions that are just fueled by the crowd and emotion and flying to the body. I mean, players are going to have to be self-motivated to play. And I think that from an on-field standpoint, I think that's going to be um, the biggest thing for me to, to be able to evaluate, right? The emotion of the game, um, the feel of the crowd just, just changes things a little bit. Uh, then we get into the actual, you know, X's and O's of football. We, we talked last time about to the Jordan Love effect and, and I know Brett Favre said use him like a, a Taysom Hill. And so with, with all of this going on and swirling in the Packers' own backyard, um, first and foremost, for a guy like Jordan Love coming into the NFL, is there a statistic? I mean, some guys acclimate to it very quickly. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and company, they get that opportunity, whether it's sooner rather than later. But when you look at a guy like Jordan Love that has to come in, has to learn it, how quickly can you really kind of set up an offense to use as a gadget play type of guy? Do, do you do something like that, or, or or do you just say, you know what, you just got to sit back, relax, and learn, and then maybe you'll get your opportunity? No, I'm definitely not using Jordan Love as a as a gimmick player at all. I mean, his his skill set is completely different from Taysom Hill's. I mean, Taysom Hill was a subpar passer in college who had really good running ability. You know, he was a powerful runner and a fast runner, and he, and he used it really well at BYU. Jordan Love, you know, he's a pretty good athlete, but that's certainly not his game. I mean, he's there to play quarterback, and he's there to develop as a quarterback. So I think that's, that's the plan. And, and the thing about the, the gimmick stuff, the Taysom Hill stuff, um, it's been fairly successful, but I don't think it's been a game changer for the Saints. And the Saints have been good because Drew Brees is awesome, and Michael Thomas is great, and the defense has come along. And then Taysom Hill adds this nice little change-up. But I think the more time you spend on building a package around a certain player or whatever it is, the, the less time you have practicing your own offense. And I think the Packers have their own work to do to kind of get Aaron Rodgers back on track, to develop some of those receivers, the tight ends, um, and the backside of the backfield and develop that pass game. So I think that's where practice time should be spent, so to speak, for Green Bay rather than, uh, than building some of the gimmick packages. 
as much as I want to talk about the offense and second year and under Matt LaFleur and how it's going to get better, I can go through all of that. But I think the bottom line is, is the defense capable of just simply filling the gaps the way the coaching staff indicated and getting better against the run, getting better against the Kyle Shanahan style of offense, if that indeed is who you're going to measure yourself against? How much better, just by the addition of Kirksey, can this defense get? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think one of the mistakes people make as either fans or as coaches is is looking back to the last thing that happened and saying that's the thing we need to fix. You know, and you see, you hear coaches every year say, "Man, we were we were bad on third and one. We got to get better on third and one." And, and but that makes this assumption that everything else is going to be the same. And I think overrating what the defense does against the run and how they handle a Shanahan offense. If you build your whole um, off-season strategy around that. I think you're. I think you're missing the boat as far as um, still what wins in the NFL. I, even though they, they, you don't want to get gashed against the run, they need to stop the pass effectively. Continue to get after the quarterback. Find a way to get uh, both Smith, Zadarius, and Preston getting after quarterbacks at a high rate the way they did last year. I think they have the pieces to stop the run. And stopping the run is as much about making a decision to put an eighth man in the box as it is, uh, you know, scheming it up and you know, getting guys who are actually good up there. Kirksey, he's an okay player. He's an okay run defender. He's a, he's a better coverage player. Um, I think he improves them in the right area in the middle of the field where they need to be able to, you know, take away some of those short and intermediate routes. So I, I think that's what I would look at from a Packers fan standpoint. Do they want to stop the run? Sure, you throw an extra man in the box, but um, I think it's going to come down to Jair Alexander taking the next step. Uh, is Kevin King or Josh Jackson going to step up and you know truly be that number two corner? To me, those are bigger question marks. I think for the defense, than can they slow down a 49ers rushing attack? That's you know that's a great point. And to me, it's also, it also kind of starts up front. Now they picked up Jonathan Garvin to kind of help the defensive end position. They've got Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. We know Kenny Clark is very very solid. But when you talk about guys stepping up, Montrevious Adams has to give you something. Rashawn Gary, last year's first-round draft choice, he showed me a couple of things, you know, where he had a decent bull rush at times but wasn't in as nearly a consistent, obviously, behind Zadaria Smith. But to me, those two guys, Montrevious Adams came in with a lot of hype. So does Rashawn Gary. They have to contribute for this thing to be successful. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, what you just described from Rashawn Gary is – exactly how he played in college i mean if you it's what we do at pff is is we take every snap into consideration and when we did that we looked at gary and said man for a guy that is getting first round hype and top half of the first round obviously with the packers he just didn't produce on an every down basis now could you find his top 10 plays and he looks like a star absolutely and he had those last year as well i'd be interested to see if gary doesn't necessarily play that that true outside you know rush outside backer type of position if he did kick inside a little bit because the guy knows how to take on blocks and and play the run a little bit. So if you talk about how they're going to improve their run defense, I would be interested to see if, if Gary playing inside a little bit more might help. I still think Kenny Clark is fantastic. He'll be fine. Dean Lowry has his moments. Um, and then, yeah, Montrevious Adams, if, if he does develop, that would be huge, you know, in his last year there. So, um, yeah, definitely need some better performances. Kingsley Kiki, too, another guy that showed really well in the Senior Bowl uh, in 2019. So I think they've got some pieces, but, yeah, I think they – obviously want to get their uh, favorable return on Rashawn Gary and his development. Well, that's, you know, that's a big if. And with, you know, obviously a, a guy like Zedarius Smith and Preston Smith sitting ahead of him, I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. Last year, when you talk about his play on the field, how quality was it? I mean, what what can you judge from a guy as a first-round draft choice that really didn't get a lot of snaps, a high percentage of snaps, did have a few quality snaps, but what what do we what do we learn last year statistically from Rashawn Gary? 
Um, just he didn't play that great when he was out there. I mean, it was it was only a handful. It was, uh, 256 snaps. We had him with a below average grade. He did have 16 pressures. So you know there were there were some good things. He, but much like in college, by our grading, he was much better against the run than he was rushing the passer. And you know, again, when you're taking a guy in the top 15, you want a guy that's like a Von Miller or a Khalil Mack or a JJ Watt that's going to get after the quarterback consistently. I don't know if Gary ever becomes that guy, but Again, he can be a pretty good run defender, and I think you can move it from multiple gaps too, not just on the edge. Again, at you know five technique and those more interior type of positions. So I think as, as a rookie, um, he may have been disappointing. It was kind of expected, I think, based off what we thought of him coming out. But um, the quote unquote potential is still there because he's very talented, and, and there's still um, some developing that can be had there. Uh, I want to go back over to the offensive side of the football and uh, real quick wanted to talk about the uh, wide receiver position. Now, Alan Lazard became kind of a a favorite of Aaron Rodgers. Now, Alan Lazard coming out of the Jacksonville organization, there's still Marquez Valdez-Scanling with good speed but had short arms at times. So those two guys appear, at least for the time being, along with the recovery of Equinemius St. Brown, that's your that's your foursome. But what does Devin Funches add to this mix? How What does he add as far as uh, a weapon that's going to offset Devontae Adams or offset Lazard or Scantling? What's he going to bring to the table? I'm sorry, which player? Uh, Devin Funches when they picked him up uh, unrestricted oh, out of yeah. Indiana. Yeah, I was just writing up the receivers, and, man, it, they're all 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, it is amazing the type of size that they've added here. This reminds me that the Jacksonville Jaguars did this with, uh, you know, with Matt Jones and all these monsters. Uh, Funches, is not, he's not bad. I mean, much like the other guys, it's tough to just get open when you're that big. So you're not going to see a ton of separation from any of these guys. Lazard actually did a really good job with it last year, and I think that's why Rodgers loved throwing to him so much. But – Funches gets to be that big body target, middle of the field, much like these other guys. Um, and again, I, I think what you want is somebody for Aaron Rodgers to trust. You know, Rodgers needs to attack the middle of the field more than he has, especially over the last couple of years. And if Funches can be that guy, almost like a big slot receiver, um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to the tight end position. I love Jay Sternberger, but, you know, there's some development to do there. Can Devin, can Devin Funches be that over the middle type of guy? where Aaron Rodgers says, I trust him, tight window or not, I trust him to go up and make a play. I think Funches can be that guy. It lets Valdez Scantling use his speed on the outside a little bit. It lets Alan Lazard play on the outside where he's been pretty good. I still love Equinemia St. Brown, another big guy that moves pretty well. And if he could, you know, stay healthy and uh, develop, I think there's, uh, there, there could be something there. It's a fascinating wide receiver core because there's a million what-ifs, and that's not a great way to go in, but there's also – um, the potential that they end up with three productive guys with Funches being being one of them. Uh, one more question before I let you go. They've had to kind of shuffle their offensive line a little bit, and their right tackle, Brian Balaga, is now gone. They have Ricky Wagner, who they've picked up. Obviously, Billy Turner they picked up last year. How stable do you believe this offensive line to be? Yeah, I just did the, our offensive line rankings over at PFF.com. We have them in the top ten. You know, Bakhtiari at left tackle is, is the anchor, and Corey Lindsley solid. I think it, it depends on Wagner bouncing back. He's coming off, I think it was his lowest grade last year. Um, but the previous years with Baltimore, with Detroit, just a good solid option. I don't think he's as good as Brian Bulaga. But, you know, on the offensive line, you just don't want to be a disaster. And I think when you look at the Packers' offensive line, at least four out of five positions, you feel pretty good that you'll get average or better play as long as Ricky Wagner, uh, as long as he bounces back a little bit. Billy Turner, he's been a little hit or miss, but he's developed. He's gotten a little bit better throughout his career. So, um, also, Elton Jenkins, is he going to get into the lineup? I think he could be fantastic. So 
I definitely think they've got at least six starting caliber offensive linemen. I think they're going to be okay. But, yeah, you just don't want Wagner to have the type of year that he had last year. So get him back to where he was, and I think the pack will be okay. There you have it, Steve. Appreciate it as always. Great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll touch base again as the season getting ready to get underway, okay? Yep, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Steve Palazzolo, Senior Analyst for Pro Football Focus, joining us for a couple of minutes. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Steve, at PFF underscore Steve. And, uh, well, hopefully you get, get a little of the breakdown of the Packers there. Um, with without a doubt, but um, really, and in the grand scheme of things, one of the bigger stories of the day is the fact that the owners are going to the NFLPA and talking about a 35% escrow that maybe they can put away in case there are not fans in the stands, and that appears to be more and more likely from some of the word that I'm getting today as well, that uh, that there is a very, very real possibility, probably more so now than, than ever before, that there will not be fans in the stands. It looks as if the uh, preseason will be eventually eliminated and we will go right into the regular season again without fans in the stands. At, at least that's what we're hearing right now. Nothing official from the NFL, mind you, but that's what we're hearing right now. Uh, he joined us, by the way, on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard, they treat you fair. 80-plus years, they've been getting it done. Call them, 844-PRIDE, or go to schneiderjobs.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.